Hey everybody, welcome to Stuff Said, the show where I, Greg Shegel, a working cartoonist, talk to people in the worlds of comics, cartooning, and beyond. On this episode, I'm talking to Paul Azaceta, who you may know, you may not know, but you will get to know him soon, as he's the artist on the new Skybound Robert Kirkman horror comic, Outcast which is already a big deal because it's a new Robert Kirkman horror comic. But we're going to talk to the guy who's drawing it. Uh, you might know his work from Spider-Man or Graveyard of Empires or Grounded or all kinds of stuff. The guy, he's drawn a lot of comics. And I've known him for a long time, and we have a, we have a good talk. Before we get to the talk, I want to mention one thing. And I guess this is a specific timing. But there are awards in comics, and there's all kinds of opinions about whether you, what they mean, if they're worth anything. But I want to try and win one. So there's an awards called the Harvey Awards, and they're given out at the Baltimore Comic Con. I think that's in October, September. But the nomination uh, process is open, I think, for the next four days. I think it ends on May 19th, I believe. So what I'm asking you to do is go to the nomination site, if you are a comic book professional that listens to this, and nominate this show, Stuff Said, in the category Best biographical, historical, or journalistic work. This is what I'm shooting for. Uh, and I'm going to repeat this at the end of the show, too. And I'll put a link in show notes at the end there, so you can just click and go. So, self-congratulation uh, plugs out of the way. Let's get to me talking to Paul Azaceta. Without any more dither. Would dither be the right word? I don't know. It doesn't matter. We're going to stop dithering right now. Bueno, joven. ¿Cómo va todo? Está bien. Sí. ¿Estás preparado a hablar comic books? Uh, I didn't know it was uh, Spanish. No, we'll do it in English. Yes. I just thought it'd be fun yeah. to start off sí. in our native tongue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because one of the first things that, that we learned about each other is we both have uh, Cuban heritage. Yeah. So the yours is maybe more like ingrained Cuban heritage. Well, I, did, I, I grew up with my, my father's Cuban. And I grew up with my, my father's mother, my, my grandmother on that side. And so that's why I grew up a lot of like the, in the Cuban, but I'm half Cuban and half, you know, European. Oh. I like to say. <laughs> that's interesting. That's American, just white. I don't know. No, because I'm not dissimilar. Both of my parents, I mean, my dad was born in Cuba. My mom grew up in Cuba. But it's all through Europe because of the Jewish part. Cuban Jews. Ah. The specific uh, yes. <laughs> fraction of, of Cuban people. I think you're the only one I know, so. There's more than me, but yes. I'm, I'm sure there's more than you. <laughs> We go way back. Like to early yeah. days. Yeah. How much do you remember about... Uh, early days? Us, us meeting each other. Us meeting each other. Yeah. Our early days, me and you. Uh, that's way back. I have yeah. to. I do remember that we met because you didn't work at Marvel at that point. You had you had left, but you were still friends with uh, a bunch of people at Marvel. And then, then then I started. So I was like, I started working with basically your friends that were still at Marvel. Yeah. So that's how. And then I know we were, so we were hanging out somewhere at a bar or something. Yeah, because you're still at 387, right? Where is it? Park Avenue South, 387 Park. Uh, the 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 old where? What do you mean? The Marvel offices. Oh, the Marvel offices. Park Avenue South. Is that what it was? Okay, yes. Yeah, it was right before they moved 
to the one with the with a cube. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was yeah, it was definitely like way back before. It was like the the really crappy offices. And crappy. Well, but they they that's what everyone else said when they came to visit. Everyone everyone came at that point thinking like, oh, Marvel lost it, especially after DC, the way they have like floors dedicated <laughs> to, to Metropolis and Gotham. Then they came over to the Marvel office. It was like old carpet, and nothing. I think they had like one stand in or stand up thing. I mean. Cardboard stand up of something. Well, when you'd walk in, there'd be that big Captain America. In yeah, the, that, that was, that was the extent. <laughs> um, uh, they took yeah, that down, you wouldn't know it was a Marvel office. But I certainly remember you, because I would come up to the office at the end of the day. Yeah. I'm walking back from Nickelodeon, stop by, and be me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I remember you, and, I, and I'm curious to see how much of this you remember, because we were talking about, you know, you had started working there in the bullpen. Yeah, you had come from working at was it CPM. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I worked at CPM, Central Park Media. Yeah, so Central Park Media with, doing manga stuff with CB Sabolsky. Right before he was anybody. Right, before any of us were anybody. Yeah, not that I'm anybody. Yeah, well, uh, well I figured he's somebody. That's the only thing I was. He is somebody. Him. Yes, he is a known name. Yeah, you will be soon enough, young man. <laughs> Who knows? By the time this drops, you might already be. That'd be huge. Huge. We're gonna get to that. <laughs> Uh, but I remember talking to you about you wanted to draw comics. Yes. And I hadn't seen your work yet at that point, I don't think. But I had just gotten into the world of licensed publishing and character art and that kind of a thing. Uh-huh. And I was speaking its virtues because uh-huh. the fact of the matter was there was money to be made there. And the work is easier if you're capable of drawing in different styles. Yeah. And I remember you saying, and I don't know if you remember this. I know. Probably said, not. Said, yeah, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna try and, I'm gonna try and get comic book work, and if that doesn't work, then you know, I'll, I'll look into doing what you're doing, <laughs> like in that very young, <laughs> youthful way of, yeah, we're gonna, you know, yeah, like, uh, yeah, whatever. Not there yet. I'm not, I'm not ready I'm, to settle I'm, for this yeah. thing. I haven't you're given doing. up on life yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you remember that at all? I do. Actually, I do have a vague memory of. So I don't remember the exact exchange, but I do it. I do remember. The conversation, I think, I have some vague memory of that because I remember you talking about that. And 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 actually, like, I don't know how, however it came out, but I, in my head at that time, at least, I was an honest of like, yeah, maybe that is an avenue. You well, know, no, like, in fairness later, to you, after, I it was shortly thereafter that you actually showed me your work because uh-huh. I don't think I'd seen your work at that point. I mean, I don't know how you would have because I didn't. I mean, I did do samples at my desk. Well, eventually, I, I was, you showed me something. Yeah. I remember seeing that going, and I don't know if you I, I, I vaguely remember, but I think I even said to him, like, oh, you're going to be fine. Like, <laughs> you're going to get work. Like, if you don't get work, something's wrong. Yeah. You remember I, that? Like, again, I'm, uh, I'm not as good with the exact wording. Uh, <laughs> no, but, but no, but I do remember you were encouraging. Like, you were, I remember you, since, since, since way back then, you were always, like, very you positive good? about what, well, thank you. I try. You're welcome. <laughs> no, but like, you were very positive about, you know what I was doing. So it was it was cool. And then you got your first job. Yes, that which was, was later. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, yes. The Peter David series. Yeah, after Chris Voss had yeah. whatever. And it was like three issues or four issues, right? Yeah. I wanna say three. It's been a while now. So the, but, the thing uh, I want to three issues. The thing I want to talk about with that job, Okay. <laughs> and I think you probably know where this is going. It's your first job out of the gate. Yes. And I'm sure you were excited. Yeah, ready to the actual like, job. Here we go. Somebody was actually going to pay me to do this. And and I know when you get your first job, like you're, 
you're like, I'm, you got to put it all on the table. Can I, can I point out just one thing, too, that was really funny? That you know how your mother's always. Don't talk about my mother. <laughs> not your mother. No, you know, uh, your mother's always very encouraging. It's always like, I mean, no matter what you do, you can't do any wrong, you know? Sure. So my mom was obviously that way with me. And uh, I, I've always wanted to draw. She was like, oh, you're great. And I remember having a lunch with her soon before I, I quit Marvel and I wanted to, like, actually just try to full 24-7 try to get a job, you know, drawing comic. And she was there and she was, like, being that mom stuff. She's like, oh, you're going to be great. And I tried to, I sat her down like, listen. I'm not that good. <laughs> it might not happen. Like, you know, like I was trying to explain it. Like, you don't really know. Like, there's a lot of people that are really good. There's a lot of people that are talented. I, you know, and then a week later, I got the job. So, like, God damn it. Proved that. Like, so I can't, like, not. So she was just, she was just like, she was like full of herself after that. I was like, see, sure. I told you. I told you were going to be great. I was like, all right, you win. And then the issues came out. So, no, so I want <laughs> to. That's very foreboding. Okay. But okay, you go into one of these jobs, and I remember doing it for mine. It's like you want to you want to put everything on the table because yeah. that first book is then you can then show that to the next person. Say, yeah, what I did, hire me for more work. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, comic books work, especially comic books work in that kind of like everything rolls into the next yes project. So something very interesting happened with those issues of Captain Marvel. Yes, which was it was decided with those issues to try something new. Uh huh. Yeah. Which was to forego the inks entirely. Yeah. And color over your pencils. Yeah. And the results, and this is not a slam on anybody involved in the process because everybody involved is very good at what they do. Yeah. It, but it was a brand new experiment in a lot of ways. In a way, yeah. It, it was actually because Chris Cross was the original artist on the book. Yeah. And he had done something like that from the beginning. So he established this kind of like pencils to color thing, you know, whatever like that. So, so that's, I think they were trying to continue that. But they ended up, I mean, like, I wasn't going to tell them no, but they ended up hiring somebody who's not necessarily, that's his thing, you know? Right. Because you know, if you're going to do that, I remember specifically, like, if I could go back and do it again, I, I'd do it, A, just out of just having actual experience doing comic work, I'd do it better. But also just remembering my mentality at the time was like, this is my first work. I wanted to look like my work. Like, they wanted me to do something different, but I'm like, I don't want to do something completely different because this is, this is the debut. Yes. So I fought against, I feel, what they wanted and trying to still do what I do. And, and if, I, if I could go back, I would just embrace it more because you can't do that kind of style without, like, going full into it. Well, I think on some level, and again, everybody, I think even, even the colorist at that time was, he'd been working for a number of years, but he wasn't quite where he is now. Yeah. I think he could do a better job with it now. Yeah, he apologized to me too. You know, <laughs> I, I did not know that. Yeah, like years later. Like, is it wrong that we're not? I mean, no, we're not saying names. He knows who he is. He he's knows great. who he we is. We love him. No, he's great. No, and, and and he didn't have to apologize. It was like I said. I actually put the fault to me a lot because, like I said, I think I fought against. See, I put the what, fault on whoever did the scans and whoever adjusted yeah, the pencils. Because might have been Jacob or something. Like that. Could have been. <laughs> like those pencils should have been adjusted in Photoshop to be so much darker. Yeah. Because your work is so stark in this yeah. contrast that the tonal shifts of pencil lines doesn't yeah. doesn't achieve what it should be achieving. Yeah. And I think if you hand a colorist, any colorist, something with that much tone to it, there's going to be a little bit of muddiness that results. Yeah. So the point being, <laughs> when this book sees print and you see a copy of it, <laughs> what does that like? What does that do 
how many different sort of phases of, of what happens in your head? <laughs> well, what's the avalanche? I, I might have blocked out at first. <laughs> <laughs> Too emotional. No, they I get right to the emotional yeah, stuff within the first ten yeah. minutes. That's so good about you. <laughs> um, they uh, no, I, I it was. I mean, looking at my, own, I'm, I'm never like a big fan of my own stuff anyway because it's weird and I, I'm too close to it or, or whatever it is. You know, I'm sure you can ask a lot of artists that have kind of similar things. Absolutely. So, <laughs> but I thought it would look decent, you know, like, and, and it, was, it was a big letdown. Yeah, it, it was it was depressing, but I, I also got encouragement from the editor and, and, and stuff at the time. So, like, I, was, I just kind of like kept my head down and it, 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 it was definitely a disappointment. I mean, like, it, it's, it's something that's my first book and everything that you want it to look great, and but it's it's always tough to look at my own work. <laughs> I, I'm always disappointed in the stuff, but so so it, you know. What would be the optimal printing, like an IDW artist edition for everything you do? Probably. Okay. No, it's not even that. I I mean, it's not even that. I think honestly, I'm not a fan of my own work, so I just I don't. How do you mean you're not a fan of your own work? Like, is it a case of because I can look at my stuff and see everything I think is a mistake or could be better? Yeah, but I still think it looks, it looks pretty good. There's only been like, I could probably, I can't even count on one hand. Like literally two times. Okay, what are those two times? That I I think I look. One actually is here's I don't wanna. All right, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) they. One is when I colored myself. Okay. I did Grave Out of Empires book. I did recently with the image. I did a short story in the back, which I wrote and drew and colored. And almost lettered too, because I did all like, I basically did like a quick digital layout of the whole lettering, and just and Tom just kind of like went over it. So I basically did the whole thing myself, and that one I actually really liked the way it printed. So take take with that. What's the other one? Well, there's that one, and then I'm trying to even think of the like I don't know. There's not a lot that I I've actually liked. Um, That's always been the case. It's just always been the case. Yeah, I I just think I I have like a. just don't like. My, I'm not a fan of my own stuff. I realized this recently that I really don't like what I do, <laughs> and it's very, it's very heart, heartbreaking. But it's I don't know how else to do it. Like I, like I, but I, I wouldn't like you know like if you put my work next to like other people's work, like I wouldn't necessarily go to mine as like oh that I would love to draw like that. <laughs> like I would so love to draw like other. Well, no, th- you could say that. I mean, there's certainly people I look at and they're like I. Even your work, I look at it and go, I, I can't draw like that. That's, I could fake it, maybe. Yeah. But it wouldn't be my natural inclination. And I think that's yeah. why, and, and I've said this to people who show me samples at conventions or, or what mm-hmm. have you, that if you look back on your work and to see what you don't like about it, that means you're constantly trying to reach for something. Yeah. You're trying to get better. And that's good. Yeah. Because you're constantly being super satisfied with everything you've done. <laughs> you're like, I've hit it. I've hit the pinnacle. Every time I've which made we, it, which we've seen, and, yeah. and it suffers. It works. Yeah, I mean, th- there's that side of it. Like I know it's always a struggle, and I know, it, and you're always trying to reach for something, and you're never going to quite get there. And it helps you improve, and so I, that's why I, I can embrace kind of like the the disappointment. I mean, do you look at guys in in sort of your school? Let's call it. It's not really your school because you're fairly young in yeah. that school, but in that John Paul Leone, Tommy Lee Edwards, to some degree, maybe Kent Williams, mm-hmm. uh, and then. More recently, a Michael Lark or you, mm-hmm. or even more recently, Chris Somney, that sort of harsh black and white. Yeah. I believe artists would call it chiaroscuro. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? 
Oh, you have fancy words. I, I know some. When you look at those guys, your 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 stylistic peers, uh-huh. are you seeing are you seeing them as doing it better? Are you seeing it all looking similar? What is what is your eye telling you when you look at that stuff? I mean, I I look at it as better. I would I, again, like yeah, I, it's not to just tear down my own work or make this like. No, oh, no, this isn't. A, but uh, I'm just curious. But no, I I definitely look at them. I see, but I mean, like I mean, like people like John Paul Leone and, and Tommy Edwards too. Like you know, bring them up. They're like. Yeah, I'm bringing amazing. them up. But I'm saying, but, but I'm saying, <laughs> so I'm saying, I'm saying, just them up. <laughs> well, being that you did them specifically, like they're they're amazing. Like some of the stuff they do. So like to, to for me to look at their work and be like, ah, it's like, I got this. Well, I'm just as good. Like, they're, they're amazing. I mean, they're so so. I'm definitely look at they they do things better. Lark and stuff like that too. I mean, like I'm always look. There's actually a lot of artists I look at that. Uh, I think that's one of the things too. I think I don't know if maybe. You talk about like when you mentioned about when you look at my work or this and that. I think that that that's a a natural thing for there's things I struggle with. So when I see someone else doing well, yeah, you know what I mean. I'm always impressed. You know, like there's always things like there's always there's, so there's always little things. It's not even necessarily like the whole style or the whole thing or whatever. That it's just that like you know like I have a problem with whatever like drawing yeah. cars, some you know, whatever it is. And then you see somebody nobody likes drawing. Well, somebody likes drawing cars. Somebody likes drawing. Not not me. Not the two people at this table. No. No, I don't mind. No, I don't even mind car, but uh, it's just that that's such a cliche thing. But so when you see someone do a car well, though, you know what I mean. Then you're like always impressed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're like, oh man, because you know it's a pain in the butt to do. You know. So. Yeah. When Chris Frouse does a page and everything is just yeah spot on. Yeah. And like, just, like, just clean and like yeah. solid. Yeah, it just like, looks like a machine. Really, yeah. But it has like humanness to it. You're yeah. Like, yeah. Like, How did that happen? Very impressive. It is so. So I guess when you're looking at uh, when I'm looking at other people like that, I'm always looking at like the stuff that I struggle with, and I see them do it well or something. It's encouraging in a way though, because I always, it, I guess I've I've embraced the the heartbreak of of not liking my own stuff in a way where it just pushes me to try and do it better. Like like yeah. I, I'm not one. Like there's some people I think out there, artists uh, in particular, who want to make this thing that they're working on the most amazing thing, and they they you know like where I'm always like. I mean, like, I obviously put everything I can into it, and but when it comes out and I see it in print and I'm like disappointed, I'm like, that's right, I'm doing, like, luckily I have more work. Yeah. So I could just, like, you know what, nah. so I have this, like, vision of somewhere in the future, I'm going to be great, and something's going to come out that's going to be amazing. I haven't quite hit hit it yet, but, you know, that that's, so I always have that going. Let's, of course, of course, I'm getting older, so it's really keep pushing it. Like, older. <laughs> you will always be younger. That I am. Yes. So well, if you're getting older, I'm done. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Let's run that hypothetical, though. Okay. That you achieve, you, you make this thing that achieves some artistic level that you've been striving for. Yeah. Like, you finish it, yeah. it prints, and you're, you <laughs> go, I did it. Now, in theory, you're working on something else when that finally hits print. In theory, yeah. Right? So, <laughs> this is such a make-believe scenario, but let's <laughs> say that happens. You just stop what you're working on and be like, I, I, I'm done. It. I did it. I'm good. Yeah. Just stop midstream, or do you then have to keep achieving that? No, I'd love to keep it. I mean, because I would love to. This is such a ridiculous question. Yeah, no, no. I, no, I think it's a good question because it, it's a question of our, am, I, am I striving for a certain thing? And when I get that thing, am I, am I done? Am I good? Yeah. Is it, is it just always that kind of thing? Or am I striving for something that I want to continue after? Is what you, I mean, yeah, basically I what you say. So. Cause, I mean, yeah, because I love to continue. Because I love, I love like a body of work would be great. 
you know like i'm like i'm not i wouldn't be satisfied with like one thing comes out like like it'd be amazing and i'd be completely happy and it would justify all the other years of you know banging my head against the wall but then i'd love to oh i would that would just really push me to keep going like i like because right now it's it's this like optimistic hopeful thought in my head that i could do this thing but if it comes to fruition or you know becomes a, a, a tangible thing like i can do this thing then I'm off to the races. Then it's like amazing. I can do this. So then it's just gonna strive me to want to do it again and again. Now, are there people that you think of that have achieved this thing that you're reaching for? This body of work and this. I mean, there's people. I, I mean, I, I don't know. They, they, if you take they, somebody like like John Paul Leon. Yeah. Right. Who is artistically super adept. Yeah. Super good. I think even if you asked him, despite yeah. you know EarthX and all these other huge things he's done, would probably say. I still haven't done yeah. that thing that I feel yeah. completely satisfied, or or I don't feel my body of work is what I want it to be, or yeah. what have you. Yeah, see, I mean, like Jean Paul Leon, like while he's one guy I definitely like look up to as as far as like an illustrator or or just as a comic book artist, isn't that like his body of work is not necessarily the body of work I would like uh, because he hops around a lot. He doesn't he doesn't do a lot of stuff. Like he did like yeah. Earth X. Re- recently, he did the Winterman. Yeah, with uh, Brett, who's amazing writer. And that was cool, but like he doesn't really have like he like does a lot of jumping around. Like like I'm more interested in the like the Paul Pope career, okay. or or Craig Thompson, yes. something like that. Who you know? So while maybe a little more prolific because they don't do a ton of work, but still, but like like to have that kind of body of work of something like very specific it, voice. Just put yeah, specific voice, and also like putting out like a book a year or something like that. Even I I would love like like my ideal career would be put out a book a year of my own stuff, written, drawn colored if it has whatever everything just all me and just put like original work constantly like one a year or something like that and then have like this kind of like library at the on my deathbed sure so, like, be able to point out like a library of these are my awesome however many i get done you know oh, it's like it's all. the woody allen it's the yeah, woody yeah. allen approach that, that's, and that's what i'd love to do but it's hard to do man it's hard to do yeah i know and I, i'm trying to i mean i'm trying to that's what i've been taking steps lately where i've been actually thinking about about my career Instead of just kind of like what's wandering next? around in the dark and like, sure. oh, sure, I'll do that. So now I've been trying to like take more, make more specific choices and, and hopefully I'm getting there. So years ago, uh-huh. there was a bunch of stuff that happened years ago. You took an awesome road trip to Charlotte, North more Carolina. Like backhanded <laughs> no, no, no. weird <laughs> comments that I make to you. No, no. I mean, there's the great trip we took to North Carolina. Amazing trip. Amazing trip. Full of hilarious <laughs> stories. That would yeah. take up the whole show. It would. If we just told these stories. but We could do that if you want. <laughs> Start from the beginning. I'm sure it would entertain <laughs> people, but essentially me, you, and Jacob drove. It would, it would interview, I mean, uh, entertain us. Me, you, and Jacob. <laughs> we drove down from New York to North Carolina for Heroes yeah. Con. Got lost on the way because I was looking for a barbecue restaurant yeah. in Manassas, Virginia. With your, with your list of barbecue spots. That- yes. And maps and everything. I had it all. This was before technology really made all that super you, easy. Yeah. yeah. That, what, one of my most enjoyable things about that trip was the fact that you got lost <laughs> and some of the other barbecue places were closed. <laughs> because you have a great way of constantly making fun of my flying by the seat of my pants lifestyle. Yeah. Where I don't plan. <laughs> I'm terrible at that. I'm late. I'm just like flaky about things and whatever. So having seen seeing you with with printouts and maps and then still nothing work out uh, that was, was a, a joy. 
<laughs> I'm glad you were entertained. I, I'm entertained in hindsight. Yeah. But that was, a, that was something. Because if it all worked out, then it would just justify your, your opinion, and then I would just have to change my life. <laughs> but being that, <laughs> being that it didn't work out makes me look a little better. All right. That's what I like. That, no, no. It's a selfish point of view. That's a seed that is planted, and we're go- that that seed is going to bear fruit in a little okay. bit for the other portion of this segue. But another time, we were hanging out. It was during one of the early New York Comic Cons. You and I yeah. were hanging out outside of a bar, because for reasons of my own, I wasn't going into that bar. Yes. <laughs> and we were having a conversation, and I was holding court to an audience of one. Yeah. Which was you <laughs> talking about these ideas I had for Hulk stories? Yes. For <laughs> Or at the time, the, the Marvel Heroes, Marvel Adventures line, the all-ages stuff. Yeah. And you were entertained enough by these stories. You're like, yeah, I, I would love to do something like that. Something all-ages, something with superheroes. Yeah. Stylistically, though, for various reasons, this yeah. was before you had drawn Spider-Man. Yeah. Nobody would look at your work in that capacity. Nobody would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul should draw a Hulk story where uh, Popeye shows up. Uh-huh. Right? So I want to talk a little bit about <laughs> your career. It's an amazing of, story, by the way. I, I still you. want to do it. You got to convince somebody that that's going to happen. We can, all right. Well, we can talk later. Then. Do this fanfic. Yeah. Okay. It'll probably get a lot of attention. I, I've seen other people do it. It's true. It's gotten attention. and Lord knows we have all the time in the world. Because cause we don't actually need to publish. We just need to do it. Yeah. And we can put it online. Yeah, we have all the time in the world to do <laughs> yeah. a silly side game. Yeah. Your work... Stylistically, as we were just talking, it's very stark, dark, gritty, somebody would say. Somebody might. What have you. I like to I would describe it it's not necessarily realistic, although it sort of is. Mm-hmm. It's not realistic in the way comic readers think of realistic, which is every buckle and every strap and every yeah. uh, 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 what's the Double. word I'm looking for? Double, yes. <laughs> Thank you for, for understanding my charade <laughs> that nobody could see. That nobody can see. But you you are taking much more of what I would call a stylized naturalism. Yeah. Oh well, that's actually, yeah. That I always look at it as naturalism yeah. instead of instead of realism. Yes. Uh, I might have gotten that from Alex Hills, okay. which I get a bunch of like, especially his little sayings. He always had great little like quotes and things. But I think he mentioned that his style was naturalistic instead of realistic. Yes. And I always like that because it it fits a lot because like you said realistic would mean more like really you know being accurate yeah and and and, and uh, you know putting everything in there that's in front of you almost like a photograph and I think on some level realistic and even naturalistic can be can contrast against dynamic uh-huh. I'm not saying your work actually has a dynamism because of the style stylization of it yeah whereas if you were drawing super clean lines and everything in its place it would I feel like it would be it would feel stiffer yeah because it didn't have the the electric line work that makes sense? Yeah. So anyway, your work has that very specific look. And and again, before you drew Spider-Man and Daredevil, although you may have drawn Daredevil at that point, was there a part of you that was frustrated at wh- at the box you were being put in because of how you drew? Or Yeah, I, I, I definitely feel that. I, I don't know how much of a box I was in because it was still early in my career, so it wasn't like it was years of people constantly just giving me a certain kind of story and like that. But but I definitely saw like the writing on the wall where they were pushing me in that direction. And I was trying to resist it because because I don't I don't I just feel as a comic book illustrator, you should be able to adapt to the story. Like I, I'm a big believer in like 
like I draw the way I draw, but I still feel like when I approach different stories, I don't, I, I, I only make choices that are good for that story. Sure. I'm not, I won't impose my, my thing on it, you know, my style or any of that. Like, and again, like my style is my style. So at the end of the day, there's only so much I can do because yeah. I just draw the way I draw, but I don't ever try to impose my style or my, you know, my thing, whatever it is on that story. So to be put in like a box like that, like I, like, I feel like I should be able to do whatever, you know, like Alex Toth, who I brought up is one of my heroes and he did, he did stories across the board. Like whether he did romance, he did horror, he did detective, he did little cartoon stuff. He did hot wheels. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, so like if he, I was like, if he could do it, I, I should be able to do it. Sure. You know, whether I, I'm successful at that, that's another, you know, yeah, I mean, again, and eventually you did. You drew Spider Man, and yeah, uh, but before that, it was it was like uh, Fool Killer, Punisher. Yeah, Fool Killer, Punisher, Noir, and, yeah, and all that stuff. Uh, a lot of street level, what they call yeah. street and level. Yeah, and then and the Potter's stuff with Mark Way was before that too, with right. uh, which is another like detective story. And I still get like no costumes, no costumes. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, Steve Wacker, who's the editor on the Spider Man stuff. He was amazing. He's a really cool guy. One of my favorite editors to work with, but. He also, I think, is really smart in his choices. Like the artists he chooses, not that that makes me I'm bragging about myself. Brag, man. I'll uh, I'll be sure to. I just meant I meant the down. I meant the people around. Yeah, the people around me. But my point is that he would pick people for that Spider-Man book because it was coming out at that point weekly or by whatever the hell. It was. every three three issues a month or something crazy. Some, yeah, some crazy like that. So he really had to fill some slots. And he was like, if I'm gonna do that, I'm just gonna pick people I really like, and not necessarily your usual Spider-Man. Artist. So then, that's how I ended up getting a chance to do on some do something on Spider-Man, even though I was viewed as, you know, the Punisher guy or the whatever. Right. But I remember he he talked about that. There was a discussion in I think I don't know if it was Joe Casada or whoever else was involved in like the decision making too, like like where they were like a little hesitant. Like, do you think Paul can do Spider-Man? You know, and it wasn't until I they, he said it wasn't until I handed in the first few pages that they said, okay, this is gonna work. Like that they were confident that I could do that kind of thing. I remember that, you know, specifically that he, he mentioned that was a, a conversation that was going on, you know, behind behind the closed doors or whatever. That's always that's always um, so odd. Yeah, I mean, I I, and and I get it, but it's also just odd that again, if you look at yeah the history of guys, whether it's and I'm not saying you're as good as any of these guys, but it's obviously the school is there. Don Paul did Earth X. There were superheroes yeah. everywhere, and if you know Tommy Lee Edwards has done super like yeah. it's clear that. That style works. Yeah, the opportunity to do it. Yeah, it, it's like I said. I, I believe I should be able to do whatever story, whether it's uh, you know, like I would love to do like a straight cartoon story stuff too, like something like all ages or or just uh, you know, for, how cartoony can youngins. you draw? I that's saying I can't. I don't usually do it, but I could draw cartoons. I mean, like that's what I'm saying. Like you should be able. To, the talent of drawing shouldn't. I shouldn't be like. Hampered into just one avenue. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, sh- I should have like, like you know, like, like, and granted, maybe that's not the case, but it's just in my head, an artist should be able to just draw. But I'm just and curious if you as give to... him an assignment, he should be able to pack it. And, you know, what in I mean? theory, in, in in any way. Yeah, I'm saying that's that's my point. Like, I don't know if the reality matches up, but in my head, that's the that's that's how I view an artist. So, like me, I would love to tackle many different. Like, know. I have you know younger cousins and friends who have kids. Yeah. And I'll draw little things for them. And they're clearly cartoon drawings of a dog or of, of a yeah. cartoon character or whatever. Do you have that? And and you have little kids asking you to draw stuff in your personal life. Yeah. What I've, do those drawings look like? 
I mean, that, yeah, yeah, those are like just quick doodle stuff. So yeah, what but, do they but, look like? But uh, but yeah, I mean, I've done I've done tons of cartoony stuff. I don't know. I mean, like not probably not, not not anywhere professionally. But I mean, yeah, it's yeah, like little kids drawing whatever. Like I draw yeah. whatever you know. Like they they want certain things. They want this and that. Yeah, and, can you draw and, Sonic the Hedgehog or uh, whatever? Yeah, I could do all. Yeah, I've done that stuff. Like you know, and uh, I'm trying to think of something recently. I don't even know what I've done recently. Scooby Doo. There was actually. I mean, like there's one. I mean. This is a little bit different, but me and my friend at work are, are always talking about creator. Like, I have a few friends that, you know, we're always talking about like, doing something creator-owned. And one of the books that we want to do involve cartoon characters mixed in with real life, you know? So I'd yeah. have to draw the cartoon. And I was doing, like, char- you know, character designs for that stuff. And, like, I, I like I love, I love doing that stuff. It's just comic-wise, you know, like, like again, like, I don't impose any style or anything. So, like, the comic books I get have a more, you know, need that more realistic look or whatever it is like so that's what i do but i, I could definitely adapt yeah, i'm not saying you can't i'm just curious that's what you're you're implying is that i can't I no you're such implying I, i'm a robot and i have one mode uh did you hear what i said naturalistic oh, I'm sorry. robots don't know about feelings not all of them stop this recording this computer's gonna <laughs> come to life i want to go back to the seed that was planted we're talking about our north carolina trip yes and how much joy you got out of me <laughs> up against, hoisted by my own petard, as the expression goes. So it seems somehow, I don't know how this happened, because I wasn't in the office all, all day. I was the guy at Nickelodeon who'd come by and just play goof around time. Yeah. But somehow, when you were at Marvel, you were called Tall Paul, because there was another Paul who was yeah, not yeah. as tall as you. Who, yeah. Who was there first, so. Yes. I needed the nickname. You needed the nickname. Somehow you became the guy that got everybody busted your beans. Yeah, for a little bit there. Like you were the guy that no matter what happened, somehow you were taking the the flack. I was. (laughs) And then to the point where, I mean, you yourself, like you sort of go by the the whim of of the ocean, wherever uh-huh. the wind is blowing, you just let yeah. the wind take. And I think that's part of what people were sort of getting on you. Yes. Sort of making fun of you. To the point where it's like, I certainly know Chris Russo. Yeah, well, I, there, there was one time I remember that I was going to San Diego Con this before. It's gotten so crazy. But I booked a flight without having any hotel or anything. <laughs> just out of like, I know people there. I'm sure I can. And I want to point out for the record, that it worked out because I stayed with you and Chris. <laughs> so I was right. But we made fun of you nonstop. But you made fun of me nonstop like that whole for week. five days straight. Yeah. Like there was no end in how, how I could just book a flight and like expect, to, you know. I mean, that was almost like your payment was like because we took you yeah. in. Well, yeah. And that's why, you know. We would not let, we would not let up. No. <laughs> for, for days. But so, I, again. I was right. <laughs> Hold on. Because <laughs> I booked a flight and I knew people and I got a place to stay. So you happen to know very nice people who are willing to... I would have found something. Well, really. I did find something. Why? It's not even doors. a hypothetical. Sliding it's a reality. <laughs> so there's this like constant sort of little brotherness to the dynamic. Like you were just the guy who like everything went downstream. Yeah. And then <laughs> career-wise... Uh-huh. You were you were ticking up that ladder like, yeah. to the point where, boom, you're drawing Amazing Spider-Man, written by Mark Wade. Yeah, you've achieved a level of success in the world of mainstream comics that I had not I have not achieved, Chris has not achieved, 
any of our that group yeah. had not achieved. What part? I mean, granted, I, we've learned now that the entire time you thought you were right, regardless. Uh -huh. <laughs> yet, despite those levels of achievement, I think we still give you yeah. static. Yeah. So, was there any part of you going, "What do I have to do <laughs> as a human being or as a professional for these guys to lay off?" Or, or did you do you, do you enjoy being? Uh, well, I don't. I don't. I don't want to say I enjoy <laughs> being ridiculed, but no, I I I just took it as I mean, you know, it's just fun goofing around. Like I, yeah, I always I always say it's funny because Sean Chen uh, was around. Yeah, and he's oh he's always like even to this day every time I see him he's like oh man those guys I'm like <laughs> like he's like affected by it more than me. Like he was really like. It was like like the, like you all broke his heart or something. Seeing the way you treated me, as like it's like it's like I was like show. a pick me like like I was like a puppy in the <laughs> in the rain by the drain or something like that. You're just kicking me, and you just felt so bad. Like oh, like those bad Sally Struthers commercials or something. Like yeah, that's yeah. why it affected Sean Chen because that's why he won't come on this show. Maybe. Oh man, Sean, I'm sorry. I'm talking to Paul right now. We're all good. and I'm fine. Yeah. I would try to tell him something, but literally to this day, every, when I see him, like he, he has, so, he figures out some way to bring it up. Like, oh man, those guys. <laughs> to be fair, when I wasn't giving you crap, uh huh. I know. Well, here's and here's, and here's what the point I was getting to is that, yeah, like it, it, it was always a good natured kind of thing. It wasn't like I didn't really feel like you, you know, like we obviously hanging out, we're having fun, so it was like we're, you know, yeah, you didn't hate me. <laughs> no, <laughs> like like there was no hate involved in it. Not I, a, I, I never felt anger. Bit. I never. So it didn't bother me that much in that sense. And my career going up wasn't any kind of like direct result of, a, you know, trying to get back at or no, no, I'll show I'm, them. No, but I'm saying, did you feel like a certain amount of like, see? No, see? I, no, no. I'm saying I never felt that because I didn't, I didn't view it that way, I think. And then on top of that, some of my other friends I grew up with, if, you know, like if you were there for like the conversation you have, even to this day, because I still know some of them, the way we go back and forth and make fun of it, it's just like, like that was a lot of it was tame. Yeah. In comparison, like, <laughs> like we, we, you know, like, so like, it, it's really not, not that serious. And to the point, I think actually those points where like, like, like maybe I should, like, I'm not actually good at like being like just good natured. Really. <laughs> like I've grown, I've grown up with like, a, so like even to the point where I think I, I held my tongue sometimes. Cause I'm like, you know what? I don't want to actually say mean things because I don't, I, but, but I'm saying, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would like, I would like, I would like to be more clever about it and like be funnier. <laughs> but I was like, I'm just going to be mean. So let me just not. Yes, all in good fun, and you give you give the material. Yeah, sometimes. I do. Other times you draw something awesome, and I would like to think I'm in the first ten people to let you know you've drawn something awesome. Yeah, no, you, like I said earlier, you're always very. I don't know about the other complimentary. I don't know about the other jackasses <laughs> in, in my crew. You know what? I don't think I've. No, well, I think Chris has vaguely said some things about like like oh yeah, it was a good job. <laughs> But like I don't think they've ever really come, which is fine. I mean, I, I like I. This is the first time I'm even thinking about like. Oh, what, expect some emails from them now. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna hear this. They're gonna start crying in their, in their on their pages. You're gonna see certain issues of stuff that the ink's gonna run from their tears. Yeah. It's gonna be horrible. You mentioned a few times the creator-owned stuff you've done. Yeah, and you've done quite a bit of it. I mean, you've really, you know, the way people talk about this is gonna this is gonna sound like a real pedestal, but the way people talk about somebody like Bruce Willis or um, 
Steven Soderbergh who like do a populist movie and then do a yeah. an indie sort of thing. Like you really have gone. You've done a job for Marvel and then you go do something. You know, yeah. You'll do Grounded and then you'll do something for Marvel and then you'll go and do Potter's Field and do something for Marvel. The Graveyard of Empires and something for Vertigo. Yeah. What have you. We've already talked about it that it's not necessarily a, a conscious choice. Yeah. That's I mean sort of how it more lately though. Yes. Now more lately for sure. And now but it, but definitely early on early early on it was a lot of just the projects that were coming to me. So, you know, I mean like it, you know, I was new. No one really knew who I was, so I just had to like say yes basically because it's like what am I going to, you know, like no one else is really calling. So something comes along, I got to grab it and then just do that as best I can and hopefully that'll lead to something else and a lot of it was that going on, but but yeah, I mean that exact kind of thing about thinking about like the movie stuff. I would think like George Clooney does a lot, a lot now yeah. too. I always look at it like that where who's I, more handsome you or george clooney <laughs> george clooney Come on, you're very I, uh, handsome. I was gonna say i tried but i don't even try <laughs> ladies he's married i am married yes happily yes right she, she may listen to this so no she's great very happy austria is awesome yes do you not want her name on this i could bleep it no that's fine okay as long as you're specific that it's my wife not the country yes she's your wife not the country because the country i'm not i'm a little 50 50 about but I guess, okay, my, my first question on this is, how did all these, how did you and the creator-owned worlds, whether it's Sable or Mark Wade or uh, like the, the NYC Mech guys you were yeah. rolling with for a while? Ivan and Andy and stuff, yeah. Yeah. How did, who found who? Well, as far as those guys, I was doing Captain Marvel. Let's go one. Was, how did Mark Sable, was, who found was, who? You and Mark Sable found the other one. Well, we kind of found, because Mark Powers, Worked at Marvel. Yes. And he had, we had, you know, I became friends with a lot of editors there because I was working in the bullpen, so you just have to be friends, yes. you know. And then on top of that, I was wanted to be a comic book artist. So, like, of course, I even then, I, so I pushed even more, like, getting to know the editors and I would show them samples and whatever and this and that. So he's one guy that was definitely like, Powers, your work is definitely up Powers' alley. Yeah. Sure. So he, he, always, he always took a liking to like what I was doing this and that. So then he's good friends with Mark Sable. And Mark Sable was looking for an artist for like this great blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and then he says, I know this guy. Okay. So and that's how we met. And then from there, you know, Mark Sable and Ivan and Andy are all friends. We all just hung out. And then and that's how that connection happened. Got it. And then how does Mark Wade find you or vice versa? Wade. How did I meet Wade? Like, was he seeing your work in, in Punish Noir or Fool Killer or something? Or did he yeah, get grounded? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I assume he read some of Grounded, at least. What did we do? We did Potter's Field first. Oh, that was from... Or was that you talking to Ross Ritchie? Yeah, that was, that was the Boom Studio, I think. Okay. And, and then I'm, I think they just kind of put us together. I think Ross Ritchie and Wade are our friends. Sure. And, and Wade's been wanting to, wanted to do that. That Potter's Field, he had that idea for years. Yeah. So he wanted to do that for a while. And then I did a little bit of work for Boom. And then we were put together that way because, like, oh, I know this guy. Because of, again dark whatever so the detective story oh perfect yeah. this guy so they put us together and once we met and something that like he's such a great he's such a nice guy yeah so we got along great and we did really well with, with that book there was a lot of like marvel style writing in there too because we talked about a lot of it and then he let me kind of like do some stuff and whatever too so that we you know got so and then that led to the spider-man stuff too because he was doing the spider-man right. stuff and then i think that's what that can actually happen that you know you know, Mark has, Marvel style. Mark has said that when he finds an artist he likes, he he will hold on to that person for as long as he yeah. possibly can. 
Yeah. I think Somni's in trouble. Yeah. Well, they, I, I'm I'm fine with that. They're doing great work. I know so. it's great, but you know, if mm-hmm. Somni wants to do something else, he's gonna have to yeah. pry himself from <laughs> Mark Wade's cold dead fingers. Yeah. But speaking of creator owned, you're now in cahoots with. In cahoots. That's a good word. Well, I'm about to do another K sound. <laughs> the big Kahuna. Uh huh. Robert Kirkman. Yeah. You know, recently in October of 2013. Yes. Was announced that you're doing a horror book with him. Yes. Called The Outcast. There's a bunch Outcast. of questions that come here. The first one is going to be somebody else's question. I okay. told somebody you were gonna you were coming over to record. Uh huh. And their exact question was: Is a retailer that I talked to. Okay. Their exact question was: Are you going to ask him if he's ready to be a millionaire? <laughs> is that the question? So, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of swim around this a little bit because okay. I don't like necessarily talking about money, but it is. When you are aligned with Robert Kirkman, there is an assumption that whatever it is yes. will be a hit. I, now, there are varying degrees of that. because Obviously, The Walking Dead is huge. Yeah. Invincible is not as huge. Thief of Thieves is not as huge. Yeah. Something like, like Walking Dead is the, first of all, that, it's an anomaly, kind of. Yeah. So, so it's hard to judge anything against that because it's just, it's its own runaway train of, of craziness that, you know. But there is something to the fact that a Robert Kirkman book and a Robert Kirkman horror book has a built-in success ratio. Yeah, I mean, we're banking on that. Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> so without, I'm not saying, like, are you ready to be a millionaire? Because that, who yeah. knows? Although, apparently, there's already a development deal with this thing. So yeah. that's great. I think it's awesome. But with so many eyes on a thing. Yeah. Pressure mounts. Yes. And it's your first monthly book. So there's pressure there. And you're developing, you're building a world. I mean, we were talking before we started recording about the process yeah. of building this world. And Yeah, I was talking about how the, the, the first issue is taking longer than normally. Besides it being oversized issues, I realized that while in the past, like, you know, a draw house or something like that, it, it, it's fine with, you know, just all right, whatever, kitchen, here you go, kitchen, yeah. there, there it is. I could just draw it because I'm only going to draw it for a few panels and I'm done and I'm out and you know, I did my little fill-in. But this one, we're looking at a series that could go, like, you know, 60 issues, 80. I mean, like, depends on how successful it is. Sure. You know, but, like, at the very least, 60-issue thing or something, like a, like a nice, long, like a vertical book kind of run or sure. something like that. So that's a lot of drawing that house. And we're not going to hold you to that number. Anybody listening to this? Yeah, well, I said that. Depend on yeah. how successful and also how the, we, we don't have anything written out yeah. specifically now. So it could... It goes until it goes. Yeah, it goes until it goes. And, and some things might take longer than... And not, whatever, yeah. But I'm gonna have to draw that house. So uh, I asked you, make, if you if you drew a floor yeah. plan, and I did draw. Yeah, I drew. So so I was sitting there because I was sitting there, and most of the pressure I have is not the the eyes on it. It's just that I've never done a monthly book, and never done a project this long. So, so you do think of it in terms of that long term. You're not yeah. thinking like I just gotta yeah. get this issue done and then do the next issue and do the next issue. No, that that is the first time I'm really trying to think of the long term view of it. You know, like where. And and with so all that preparation stuff, how much that comes into play? How much does that long time view play into your pre-production? Are you specifically designing characters, saying I got to draw this hairdo for the next six years? Yeah, I mean, I I don't. I better make it simple. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily make things simple in that sense. Everyone's bald. But but I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. I'm definitely thinking about like this. Yeah, you know, this guy I have to draw again and again and again, whatever. So I'm gonna have to do that. But then. Whereas before, I, ha- I have like 
like I'm much more like fly, fly by the seat of my pants kind of guy. So like even with art, I might do a couple like little sketches or something like that. But like they're really like rough, nothing doodles. I just kind of get it. Oh, okay, it's something like that. And I'm, I'll go on. But like now I'm actually drawing out more things like and really thinking about, okay, who's this guy? His wardrobe. I have to really think about like the kind of stuff he's going to wear, the kind of stuff I'm going to put him in. And then I'm thinking about who they are and really getting into it in depth in a way I didn't before. And again, like creating floor plans. It's, it's just it's just a lot of preparation in that sense of like like figuring the world out before I even whereas before I would do it as I'm drawing. Does that take some of the energy out of the whole process, or does it invigorate the process? Well, the reason I didn't do it before was because I felt it would take the energy away. Yeah, project. You know, I, I know I know some people who I know some people who do that and are successful at it, like where they just do tons of like preliminary type stuff and and it's still the work. You know, but I'm just baffled by that because I if I if I had to draw things over and over and over again, like it, I just wouldn't want to draw it again. Like you know, none of us do animation. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's why I can't do animation. I had I had an idea that maybe I do animation one day, and so I saw like I'm like I'm not gonna draw. If I could just draw it once, that's what I'm going with. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's not even, it's not even you know like the laziness part. It's 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 literally out of like the energy of it. Like I have a, have a uh, I, I draw. I'm I'm very much a guy who approaches art with like an, have to be enthusiastic or inspired to draw. Like I, like again, other other people I know have like a nine to five. Like they, I get up in the morning, I sit at my drawing table, and I draw till noon, and then I have a little lunch, and I hide to my wife or whatever, and then I go back from one to three. Like I can't do that. I, I work throughout the day. I have because if I'm not feeling it, it's hard for me to like turn it out. And and I've gotten better at it because you know deadlines and whatever you have to. And usually once I get going, I can get into it and this and that. So it's like I've, I've learned to like whatever, but it's still a struggle. Like I can't assign time on it, and I can't do that. So. Having to draw things over and over again, doing preliminary, like it's, all my enthusiasm and inspiration is going to be, you know, wasted by the time I actually get to like the page, which is the important part because that's the part that's printed. Yeah. So I always try to just draw it once, but now I'm doing it the other way, which, you know, it's, it's still working out. Like it's, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. Right? <laughs> it's good. Like, you know, like I'm still enthusiastic about the stuff and whatever. So, you know, but even at that, I probably draw, have drawn less than maybe someone else would have. Right. Because I'm still not trying not to like, and there's, a, there's an inherent, just natural evolution that happens to anybody if you're drawing over extended period of time. Yeah. And if you look at Ryan Otley's early Invincible issues to what he's doing now, yeah, it's, it's the evolution is uncanny. I mean, I, I yeah. you know, there's video of Ryan Otley burning his old pages because he's so unhappy with them. Yeah, like to the shock of everybody because they still look really good. Now, yeah, and, and but just on on a strictly, you know, the evolution of anything is going to happen where. You know, yeah. You'll slowly, even if you've designed this character through and through, unless you are yeah. Jeff Smith and you've built a model sheet yeah. to follow in that animation style, yeah. you're going to start drawing the hair a little different each time as you find your yeah. your groove. Yeah. Like, oh, if I just twirl it this way, then it'll be yeah, whatever. Yeah, and, and, and I'm trying to leave room for that, too, or to think about that. I almost think like you, you almost can't leave. It's going to happen. Yeah. Right, unless you're so yeah, well, strict I, I, on yourself. Yeah, well, exactly. That's why I'm. That, that's why I'm by leave room because it's going to happen. So, yeah. I I'm not gonna be that strict on myself. Like, there, there's only so much I can prepare for the marathon that is going to be this book. I mean, I've been drawing SpongeBob for 13 years. Yeah, and my early SpongeBob's don't look like my modern SpongeBob. Yeah, and that's like on model. And that's stuff. an on model character. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the show itself looks different from its first season to yeah. its current season. That's just gonna as much prep as any of us can do. Yeah. 
time and, and just yeah. how our hands and eyes and everything work. Yeah, and, and I think just also you get better. Yes. Too. So like there's that too. You just get more experience, you get better. So, you know, like things come easier. You could do more. Find your groove. And you find your like groove. Stella. Exactly. <laughs> exactly like Stella. Yeah. You get that groove that back. This movie is applicable to my life in so many ways. Is the pressure of working on a Robert Kirkman creator-owned book that is a horror book, how is it compared to drawing the mainline Spider-Man comic or Marvel comic? Is there um, a comparison? I, part of the reason why, how can I say it? Part of, part of the reason why I, I don't get offended and I, I, I like to embrace the fact that I fly by the seat of the pants, flaky kind of guy, is because things like this don't really put pressure on me. Good for you. I, I, like I said, the pressure for me is just like I've never done a monthly book. That, that, like hitting the schedule yeah. and the rest of it, like that kind of, but like the actual like attention, like I don't, like when I was doing Spider Man, like when I got the Spider Man gig, I went around to a convention soon after that. And a lot of people were like, oh man, congratulations. They came up, they were so excited. Like for me, like, oh, Spider Man. And for me, I was just like, it's great. I've done comic books before. Like, I was like, you know, like it was like, like I didn't quite get it. I did kind of understand a little bit. When I got a few royalty checks, which I never really got before, sure. and like, oh, this thing actually sells, and you know, so that was nice. But like, yeah, as far as pressure, like Spider or whatever, and this Kirkman thing, uh, I just, I was, I made the joke last time that I won a Kirkman. That's what it felt like because I was walking around a convention and <laughs> everyone was like, oh my god, congratulations, you're working with Kirkman, isn't that like what? Like, I felt like I won an award or something. Like, it was like so weird, like you know. But again, like I, I don't necessarily think about that stuff because I think, I think a lot of it has to do with the pressure I put on myself anyway. Yeah. Because I could I don't really care how much attention it gets outside it. I just you know, my goal is to open my the book one day and not be disappointed <laughs> about the printed work. So so that you know, so again, like the Spider Man stuff, even if I don't open up the book and like it, like I don't care. Like everyone could love it and like, you know, could win Eisner's and could do whatever. Like, you know, but if I don't like the work and it's like I don't <laughs> doesn't matter. You know, like I mean I'll be I'll be gracious. Yes, but uh, so 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 that pressure on myself. We're nothing if not our own worst enemies. Yeah, so like that kind of stuff. So like the actual eyes on it and the horror book and Kirkman this and that. Yeah, and then the other pressure actually is thinking about my career, that I do realize you know, I don't completely put my head in the sand. It is a good career move, yeah, in the sense that like it's going to get a lot of attention this and that whatever. But and it could lead to a career I really want after the book, which is what my real goal is. Long-term thinking. Yeah. You're getting older, so you know. You're still younger than me. You will always be younger than me. The grave is getting closer. Oh, and boy. I realize. Speaking of graves, uh-huh. <laughs> this, book is a, this book you're doing with Kirkman is a horror book. Horror book, yes. In my conversation with Eric Larson, he talked about how there are certain things that don't work in comics. I disagree. Hold on. Okay. Jeez. I just like to disagree with Eric Larson. <laughs> Who doesn't? So it seems to be the the uh, order of the day to disagree with him and get him fired up. But he was making the point that, and and I think there's some validity to it, which is, you know, part of a horror is a shock element, right? Which is, you know, in a horror movie, something will jump out at you. Yeah. Uh, you really can't get that in comics. I think something else in horror movies is the use of sound. Yeah. Is huge, whether it's certain music cues. Whether it's Friday the Thirteenth, that music cue, yeah, or the music in Halloween, or even the phone ringing in the Scream movies, yeah, like that's a cue. Like 
something's about to happen. Yeah. And you're instantly like on edge. Yeah. You're doing a comic book that's a horror comic, and I've and I've seen a few interviews with you. We talk about how you're going to make the book scary. Right. Yeah. How how are you approaching this? What is no, this is actually an interesting point because yeah, I agree. That's why I asked the question. <laughs> you are awesome at this. <laughs> Paul? Amazingly. It's it's one of my goals, and that's what it is. Like I, I've read a bunch of horror comic books that aren't scary. They're horror just by nature of the like, it has a monster in it or a ghost or whatever it is. Like that. So like it technically is a horror comic because it deals with the, that subject matter, but it's not scary. Yeah. You know? I always point out like even Hellboy, as much as I love the book. And you've and drawn it's, and BPRD an, stuff. And I've drawn BPRD stuff. But the Hellboy, you know, the Mike Minoso, he's he's amazingly talented. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the book, but it's not a scary book. But it's considered horror. There's demons, there's I whatever. Guess. and sure. whatever. There's a lot of black uh, on the page. There's a lot of black on the page, <laughs> but it's not scary. You know, it's so creepy. It could be creepy. It's, it's, it's a little bit. But, th- but that's actually my point, is that what I started doing was watching, I watched a few movies, because any excuse to watch movies. Wife loves it when I'm. I tell her I'm working and I'm watching <laughs> Alien for the eighteen thousandth time. Sure. But I was watching things like that. Speaking of I, Alien or anything like that, like there's there's, a, there's definitely shock value and there's the music set, but there's the creepiness can be accomplished because there's a there's a manga I read called Uzumaki, which is a uh, I believe translates to spiral, and it's all about spirals in this create. But it's a creepy, creepy book. It's a it's the one book I've read. And granted, I haven't read anything, so I'm not going to say it's the only book or anything. Like that, but as far as what I've read, that is actually quite creepy. And it, it, it led me to think that like it's actually possible. It's just that you have to approach it different. See, the thing is that everybody's view of horror is from movies. Yeah. So there's the visual cues, the, the, the shocking, the, the sound cues, or this and that, you know. But that's all because that's movie language. You got to figure out how to do comic book language horror, yeah, there's which also- is different, which is creepy. It's the like, same thing like a novel. When you read a novel, there's none of that either. But how many people have been scared by Stephen King? It's because there's yeah. a creepiness involved, and that's yeah. what you have to achieve. So, so it, it, it's approaching it differently. But though I would say the, and, and I'm, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying, and I agree that there's a there's a language in common. We are disagreeing with Eric Larson. That's a sad. A little bit. Well, I'm I'm I want to see it happen. Okay. Because I think there is a language in comics. Comics, as everybody points out, is a thing where you control the pace of information. Yeah. Like even in a novel. You're reading the words as they cap. You really aren't skipping ahead. Yeah. You can't see the words at the bottom of the page. Yeah. You just sort of don't. But in a comic, you see the page. Yeah. Like the whole thing hits you in one shot. So you're gonna there's a little bit of spoiler no matter how you yeah. you play it. So you really do, it really becomes not to throw more pressure at you, uh-huh. but it, it, it almost becomes a challenge of storytelling above all else. Because yeah. you have to achieve a very specific pace and timing and, and feel. Yeah, the, the creepiest slash scariest thing I I can remember reading is Red Dragon, uh-huh. the uh, part the, of that the Hannibal Lecter yeah, yeah. thing. And there's a sequence in there where it describes how the the guy killed people, and it's so yeah visceral and creepy. Yeah, and I've, scary. I've, yeah, I've read that. Yeah, good. When he's like retracing the steps of the the murder in that house. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going yeah, yeah. up the stairs and open the yeah, door. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, every, it's so it's like spine tinglingly creepy. Yeah. And again, that's all putting stuff in the reader's head. Yeah. That, so you're you're delivering the art. Mm-hmm. Like there's only gonna, there's only so much that the reader is going to fill in, you know, between the panels and that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. I'm I'm very interested to see what this is like because oh my. it's an interesting challenge. Yeah, it, it is, and that that that's one of the things that's that's really interesting to me 
when doing the book now. It, it's trying to figure out how to do that, and you know, and I'm not sure how successful. I, but the other good thing is with the, the marathon is that maybe I won't get it right away, but I guarantee there's going to be at least an arc. Yes, somewhere in the middle that's going to be completely creepy and scary. And then hopefully Robert won't screw it up with his words. Well, yeah, well, I, I gotta figure out how to get there. <laughs> Well, there's something to the fact that everything has to find its place. I'm gonna leave no space for balloons. I'm just gonna constantly go. compose every panel where it's just all chock a block. Yeah. But there is also, I mean, you make a good point. I was talking about this recently, where you know a TV show has a pilot, mm-hmm. and it takes maybe you know it could take a season for that show to find its yeah its footing, its voice yeah to really be the show that it eventually becomes yeah becomes beloved for. So yeah, everybody. Yeah, I mean, first season, Seinfeld, everyone loves that. First season of that is like, granted, I mean, I I like it, yeah, and it's but it's not what it became. I think like, a better example is Parks and Recreation. Parks and Rec is a great, yeah, because that that one I actually didn't watch in yeah. the beginning because I watched the first couple and I was like, this is just like a ripoff of the art. Like, it's completely, it's, it's and, a funny show, but it's a completely different show. Yeah, well, yeah, it was like, but then once they found their footing, once yeah. they hit that, then it became amazing. Yeah, it was, just, it was just you know, but it took them half a season, whatever it was. I don't remember how. Or even in comics terms, something like the Avengers, you know, sixteen issues into that book, uh-huh. I mean four issues in the lineup changed. Uh-huh. But by issue sixteen, the dynamic completely changes because yeah. you bring in Cap's kooky quartet and all the big headliners yeah. are gone. <laughs> yeah. And the book proceeds as this weird yeah. grouping until you know it's disassembled and yeah until recently where yeah. they decide like maybe we should put Spider Man and Wolverine in more books. Which you know that's <laughs> that's a whole other separate conversation. Talking about horror comics, talking about drawing. I want to talk a little bit about how you draw and that, that shadow and light thing. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, I don't know if there's a lot of talk, but you know, there are people that are, that are very reference heavy. There are people that are just making stuff up. There are yeah. people that are very cartoony, what have you. How are you finding the shadows? How are you approaching it? I asked this because when I was at Marvel as assistant, I was working with a guy who was very slow. And I remember talking to him on the phone and he was explaining to me that one of the things that was slowing him down was for all the poses, he would take an action figure, put it under a lamp, take a pic so he could see where the shadows. Yeah. Now, I've seen you work at conventions, and I've seen some of I know you do some photo reference faces, and, and you've drawn your wife into comics. Yeah. Or, but or, I, I don't. But you don't at, go around. I don't look at a photo, though. I just, oh, that's just off the. Yeah. Okay. So how are you? how are you seeing the shadows? What are you doing in terms of how you're drawing and approaching these things. Well, yeah, I mean, like, speaking of the PhotoRef stuff, I, I don't use PhotoRef, really. I mean, I, I, I use Google Image a lot. Yeah. Just out of, like... Right what, there. Yeah, well, um, I, I mean, like, out of, like, you know, what does... uh, Whatever. Well, should we define uh, a, a, PhotoRef? Ford, a Ford truck look like, you know? Like, oh, let me look up... You know, so I look that up to see what that looks like, but I don't do any... I never, like, do any direct photo reference. That's what I mean. We should define PhotoRef. Yeah. Because there's different degrees. There's one is yeah. looking at what a truck looks like and then drawing your version of it. Yeah. And then there are people that are taking that truck and putting it on, like, trace, essentially tracing it. Yeah. Well, they don't necessarily have to trace it, but just draw that exact, that exact pose. Kind of pose or whatever. For a truck. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, more of the look at it, see what it looks like, and then what the draw my version like of it or whatever I need to do for the actual comic page and stuff like that. So there's very little. I, I think that the, the most I've done is during Spider-Man, it was very important to me because I live in in the area to draw New York City. Yeah. Like it bothers me to no end when I see people draw New York City and they just draw buildings and whatever. Like I, I want I was like if you look the one thing I can say if 
you look through the Spider-Man issues, there's very specific streets, very specific like that you could go around New York and find these things. So I use photo reference. Oh, no, it's just it was <laughs> it was just very important to me because I love New York City. So if I'm gonna get to draw New York City, I want to draw actual New York City, not just like some made up version of it. With you know, right. So that's the most I think I did like photo reference of where I was looking at things like using Google Maps and whatever, like finding streets and finding whatever. You know, but I spent way too much time doing that when I had to get things done. What about the shadows? But that's the shadow, yeah. But the shadow, okay. Yeah. So so the shadows, yeah. That's all inking in the sense that like when I do pencil, I don't do I don't hardly spot any blacks in pencils. I just get structure down and do like it's almost like an open line drawing. And then when I get to inking, that's when I start thinking about more where the shadows are. I mean, I usually have an idea anyway, but that stuff, I mean, like that's like stuff that it just, it's, it's a bunch of different things together where uh, I can look in the mirror uh, with a light or something like that. I have like a light table, so sometimes I can even like angle it a little bit and look in the mirror and see like or that kind of stuff. Or sometimes if there's a picture or something like that, I mean, I, I try not to do that just because it's, it's like finding a needle in a haystack or something like that to find like an exact lighting that I would, yeah. you know. But yeah, there's pictures like that. And then there's actually like this thing that I found one time online that helps sometimes, which is it's just like a face and it's a lighting studio, quote unquote 3D, where you can just move the light around the head. Huh. And I don't know exactly what it's used for, but for me, I just like, oh, what would it look like from this angle and like whatever. And like, so I kind of see how things fall like that. So it's like just looking around different things like that and lighting and stuff like that too. And there's something to be said for the structure of your drawings, like their sound, so that I yeah I I I that's that's why I don't necessarily I think spot black in the pencil or anything because I'm more interested in just getting everything solid yeah and and grounded is a right that. That so and and then you know you could just from there you could throw shadows on do whatever like do whatever you want from there yeah you know like uh, there's times when I draw things out and I'll just completely black it out be like oh this would work better as a silhouette and so I saw that before, <laughs> but you know, like I do all that afterwards. So it's weird because I always wonder too, like because I, I show editors my pencils right too, and I wonder like, like this is not anything what it's gonna look like. So I wonder what they're thinking between when they get the pencils and they have like one idea, and then they see the ink and it's like completely different. Yeah. I'm gonna assume the equivalent might be you turning in inks and then seeing the colors. Maybe right, like you have an idea in your head. Yeah, but then you don't know what somebody else is gonna do with it once it gets. Or if you're not inking yeah. yourself, you turn in pencils and the inks come back. You're like, oh, I didn't mean for that. Yeah. Or wow, they did a better job than I ever would have. <laughs> well, I don't. I I ink myself all the yeah. time. So you've never had yourself inked by anyone. I I did briefly, uh, early on. Did you have the same experience I did, which is like, whoa, I just learned a lot about how I draw. Some of that, yeah. yeah. I've also also quickly realized I should really ink myself. Well, there's that too. Because it just didn't work at all but but also let me that's actually one thing one thing i tell people a lot at conventions uh because of that experience like young artists that come up and they you know show me samples or that and they're just pencils i would tell them like ink yourself even if you have no intention to ink yourself professionally because it's really different because that's what you learn a lot like like what works in pencil does not work in ink yeah so you i learned a lot like just like oh that doesn't look like what i meant at all like that's not you know you know so just inking yourself, even if you have no intention of doing professionally, just so you learn what works or how to convey whatever information you need in the pencils to get the ink you want, the kind of ink you need. Yeah. You know, like that was definitely an eye opener in that sense, you know. Especially when not every inker is going to cross hatch like Scott Williams. Not every inker is going to feather yeah. like. Well, um, yeah, I'm, I'm putting aside terrible inking or something. You know, well, I'm just saying, even, or, even not terrible inking, like there's specific things that. You know, if you if you feather your work in pencils, 
Yeah, because you've seen the way you know, Mark Farmer feathers something. Yeah. Or Brian Bolland or something. It's not yeah. gonna. Yeah. That's how they. That's how they function. Yeah. And it's it, there's a there's a lot of translation that happens. It's like yeah. A, like a game of telephone, but with hands and eyes. That yeah, I mean, you look at like the Alan Davis stuff, like the pencil. Stuff, he's not like super tight with like some of that. Well, they have rendering. they have a, such a fusion those two guys. Well, but even so, but that that's how it should work though, because again, it doesn't work the same in right. pencil as it does in ink. So, for you to sit there and like, I mean, that that bothers me to know too. Like, there's pencils out there who like pencils so tight. Well, that's, and it, and just so you know, which I think led to a lot of that like coloring over the pencil stuff because like why ink it? Yeah, but it's like I don't understand why you're doing that. Like, you're using the it's like using I don't even know the wrong that, tool that, wrong tool for the job though. That comes from all of us reading comics and all we're really seeing is ink pages. Yeah. So we're drawing to that. Yeah. It's not until you start to see what pencil pages look like. And yeah. you have to see pencil pages from before nineteen ninety two. Yeah. To really understand Yeah, yeah. Like if you look back at like all that yeah, you know, all that stuff like the John Buscema or yeah. or, or Kirby and all that stuff like that, that pencil pages is like and then and the best part of those is that you see what the inker did. You yeah. Know, is that, you know, like well you see how much they brought to the table. Or or didn't. or did <laughs> or left out. Speaking of bringing things to the table, you mentioned wanting to write stuff. Yes. You have worked with legit writers. You've worked with with a lot of some, people. Some legit, some that are Mark Sable. Oh, no, poor kidding. Mark Sable. Poor Mark Sable. I just had to. I know. I know. We like Mark Sable. I do very much. That's why I do that. Uh, just like when you used to rib me earlier. Exactly. Well, look, he's on so the I list. I became here. awesome, and then you can't. You've worked with Sable. Your words. Mark Wade, Brian Wood, John Arcudi, right? He wrote the BPRD stuff? Uh, no, that was Josh Dysart. Okay. Who was amazing. And now you're working with Kirkman. It's sort of a, a goofy question. It's goofy in that it's like, it's almost a cliche. Kirkman question. is the worst. I agree. That's not a question. He's not going to listen to this. He has other no, things No, he to would do. never listen to this. In a million years. He's writing Walking Dead. If he does listen to this. Counting his money. He's very impressed. What do you learn? Is there... Such a goo. It's. I feel like you're like a, it's like a, a Miss America question. What have you learned from all these different people, that that you can apply to yourself as a creative person, as a writer? Can you point to specific things like this guy does this thing, and I uh, in the yeah. same way that if you I mean, at, if I somebody mean, draws hands, you can. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have to. I think sit down and think of specifically this person, this and this person, that. But definitely just reading those. You reading that many scripts from top tier art writers. And seeing how they work and stuff like that is definitely like a learning experience in and of itself. And I realized that like there's things I like I've tried to take now, which is like Mark Wade has a fantastic way to be simple and clear and not clutter anything. Yeah. You know, I, I gave him I said I said I don't I still don't know how to say it as a where it sounds like a compliment, but I've still told him and I apologize if it doesn't sound like a compliment, but it's, it seems like he writes his script in a day. And, and and I mean that in the sense that it's so simple and so easy, you know, but it's all there and it's yeah. solid and it's great, but it doesn't seem like a complicated thing. He simplifies it so much. He's like, he so understands what, you know, what fits on a page, how to pace things, how to whatever, that it's just so clear that it's so great that way, you know? Yeah. So seeing, reading a lot of scripts like that, like you get to see like, that's what it should look like. Yeah. You know? The clarity and economy of it all. Yeah. And then, uh, like in Brian Wood is similar in that sense. In that he's like very clear, and he and, and he's probably because he's an artist too, where he knows what fits on the page. Like I never have a problem with his scripts as far as like, you know, jamming things into a page and this and that. Like he leaves room because my one of my big 
pet peeves or one of the things I really look for is uh, spacing on a page. Like so many, there's other writers who I've seen where they just color a page and then you have the big moment and it's the seventh panel and then you have like an establishing shot and whatever. And it's like there's just no room to like make that panel have the impact it needs to have, the space it needs. So understanding that is like a big thing with me, you know. And, and so, so again, I mean, like I, I think probably negative and positive thing. That's and I, I think also, I hope at least that it's just an inherent thing. Like I think I have, just, I, I've read so many comic books ever since I was a little kid that it's an ingrained thing. Like I always thought, like I, I, I always thought about just like in storytelling, like visually without not, not necessarily writing the script, but I don't. I have ideas about things, and I and I definitely you know try to do it, but like it's much more instinctual. Like when I lay out a page, like it's just it's just I just have a knowledge of an ingrained knowledge, hopefully, yeah. of how comic books, you know, how to tell a story. Comic book wise, the language of comic books. You know what I mean, like and things like that. So like that, you know, because like, I, I I that's one compliment I do get that I that I, that you know makes me happy is whether they hate my style, my my sloppiness, my 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 uh, grittiness, what you call it. Whatever it is, or this and that, or Lack they hate that everyone word. looks Hispanic, <laughs> or, or or whatever it is. Wow. That's six guys on the internet complaining. <laughs> it's amazing, though. No, but it it's that, you know, they always say my storytelling is good, yeah. which I think is, and and it's funny because I feel like that's the part I work least at. Oh, if that makes well, sense. Well, look at who's uh. No, but I I just I just mean I just mean that I've read that many comic books and I and and I have no interest in doing. Which we established earlier in our our friendship, <laughs> anything in in other mediums or that involve drawing, you know, whereas animation, whatever. Like I love comic books, and I'm so single minded in that yeah. sense that like I understand the language. So yeah. when I lay out a page, I feel like it's a lot of it is just a natural understanding of like layout, you know, like. The, so when you're writing something translate. for yourself, yeah, do you bother writing a script? Do you go and I don't. That's why I I I just, I just thumb I write in thumbnails. I yeah. the I am similar. Yeah, like if you can see, I I wrote a short thing which, which was just a eight page. I think it ended up being eight pages in the back of the graveyard trade paperback just for the collection. Yeah, so it's a it's a short thing, so it's not like that. So those great of example. Bought, so those of us that bought the single issues didn't get to see this. Thanks. Yes. Well, I, I was trying to make something special about the trade. <laughs> make me double dip. Is that what yeah. you're trying to do? Listen, how else am I gonna be a millionaire like Kirkman? Well, you draw that Kirkman book. Maybe. Yeah. So right, uh, that thing. Like if you could see like that. "Quote unquote script." It was a one page. It was a short story, so, you know. So the one page thing would just kind of bullet points. I wrote like bullet points of like this happened and this happened and this happened. And then around that, there was little. I don't even know if anyone understood these micro little pages. Dude, micro, just like thumbnail, kind of like just breaking out like the panel shapes yeah. and like little like circles for head and like around that. And that was my script that I worked with. You know what I mean? Like and and I know exactly what you. Yeah, and then I. I, I don't wrote, know if anyone listening understands it. Yeah, the only right. other thing I, I've, I've written full on, like that I'm working, uh, uh, it's not done, but is, is a Potter's Field one shot that I'm writing, drawing, and all that stuff. Uh, and, you know, Mark Wade, obviously, uh, looking over, yeah. making sure I don't completely screw up his, his, uh, you know, his character and stuff. But that one, I wrote a script only after because I wrote the script as thumbnails. Yeah, so I have the whole thing thumbnailed out. So you need something but then I was like, Mark. Mark Wade would not understand what the hell is going on. So I actually went back and just typed out what I had yeah. done. So that was the project. So I wrote a script in that one only because of that. But really, I don't understand like why, if you're writing and drawing yourself, like it's understandable if you have a writer and an artist. But if you're writing and drawing, I don't know why you'd ever write a script. I don't either. Because City does. 
because it, it, it's it's comic book language. Comic book language is different. That's that's what's great about like bringing up Mignola from before. Like his work is so ingrained in comic book language yeah. that you can't write that as a script. Like you just have to draw a thumbnail. Like that should be the the script is the thumbnail. Cartooning is what it is. Yeah, it's cart- Yeah, exactly. Like like, like how many how many you see the Pixar offices and all that stuff when they draw the, the storyboards the storyboards. For, for the movies, like, they don't write like a, a there's no like script. I like, I'm sure they have some at some point have some kind of script, yeah. but they but they storyboard sequences. That's what they do, and that's how they you know. Like, and and it was like pushed that way because because it's not going to be a written thing. It's not a novel. It's going to be a visual thing. Yeah. So why write it, you know, with words when you can write it with the picture that's supposed to be you know to be something closer to like the end product and stuff. So I mean that's that's so hopefully that's why I feel I can be a writer because I can't write a novel. The last thing I want to talk to you about is fighting. Yes. Aside from being a talented cartoonist, artist, illustrator, guy, you, in recent years, yeah, I mean, you've you've always been a fan of watching boxing and mixed martial arts, but in recent years, yeah. you're actually participating a little bit. You're training. Training, yeah. In some capacity, is it is it in boxing or mixed martial arts? Technically, neither. It's Muay Thai, which is kickboxing. Okay. It's a it's it's a pure form of kickboxing. Kickboxing is an Americanized version of Muay Thai. So. Okay. So you're studying I Muay Thai. That, I, I didn't mean that in a no, no. degrading way. I'm to, to kickboxing. I'm, learning. I just, I'm just trying to. So what you're doing is Muay Thai. Muay Thai, yeah. And you're you're training as as somebody would take kung fu or karate classes, or you're training with the idea of sparring and getting into. Brawls? Yeah. I mean, well, I, I had no intention of actually doing any kind of matches or like amateur matches or anything like that but a few years ago i went to like a new gym and there was a the coach there a young guy too he's actually a little younger than me but he will always be a little younger than you yeah always <laughs> no but he he pushed me because he thought i had like some some talent for it or whatever so he pushed me to actually like fight because he he's a professional fighter or he was a professional fighter he's retired now and and he did and he was like he always pushed me because i was like one of the better ones in the class and this man so he pushed me for that so i did it Kind of pressured into it. I mean, like not not say like I didn't want to do it, you know, but like I never had an intention to do that. And then since then, like it, it becomes a thing where like once you hit once it's that level, then it's like why am I just punching a bag when like you know I mean, it seems like it's just like a step down. So like now now it's like oh of course I'm gonna want to actually fight or something, you know, like okay. it becomes like a, a you're actually sparring moving at this moving, point? moving the marker and then yeah no, I spar all the time definitely. I was just talking to my couple other friends that I train with now about fighting because there's like a tournament thing coming up next uh, year. They do it every year. So maybe train for that. Like I don't, I don't get to do it as much as I want because a it's more of a hobby. Yeah. So it's not like I'm not, I don't want to be professional or anything. I don't want to actually you know. And then on top of that, it actually it takes a lot of time. I mean, I, as it should. Yeah. So and I have you know comic books take a lot of time. Yeah. And that's my first love. So it's always going to take precedence over you know if I have like a deadline like well I can't really go to the gym every day because yeah, deadline and just so so finding the time to train because I've done that a couple of times now too where like and it just it's horrible because when you put it on the level of actually going to compete all of a sudden it's it's much more on your mind that, and sure. and and I spoke earlier about how I'm very I need to be inspired and to do that for a combo page and I can't do that if I'm thinking about punching and kicking somebody in the face and then so it's it's, it's a weird like back and forth in my head that that gets hard to do like my my you know my my work productivity suffers greatly training for a fight so all right so that was a long winded answer no 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 <laughs> great punching and kicking that's yes. i know it's mostly kicking oh punching and kicking but there's punching yeah which means you're using your hands 
and elbows and knees. That's what's great about Muay Thai. Do you worry? Now, now this is like the Jewish mother in me. Do you worry about injuring your hands? So my mom, this is what my mother says. She's not I, even I Jewish. Told, I told her I was only gonna punch from odd angles and awkward positions with my right hand only, <laughs> just to make sure I injure it. No, it, it doesn't even bother. If you just get socked in the face and like you get you damage your eye or something. I don't know. I don't know what can happen. To that could happen. An elbow to the eye. That would. Yeah, that would hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought about my eye. <laughs> <laughs> No, it doesn't matter. I don't think I'm doing it at a level. I'm not a professional, and I'm not doing it at a level where like it's that bad. Like even even the I haven't fought with because there's different levels and different whatever. So I fought with basically like no gear, uh, no headgear, no whatever. You know, so it's like that, but no elbows. So next time I fight, I want to fight with elbows. But amateur elbows, you have pads, yeah. so there's less chance of you breaking something, and um, still knockout, but less chance of breaking something. Whereas, or getting cut, especially, yeah. which is the big uh, thing about elbows in, in Muay Thai is, you know, like you could like half hit somebody, but the point of your elbow is very pointy against, you know, your face, which is very bony. Usually not a lot of like meat there. So like it, it, yeah. it easily cuts open, slices open and, and you get so right under the eye or above the eyebrow or, or on top of the head even or whatever it is, like, you know, and a lot of blood. So yeah, so even with elbow pads. So like it, it, it's, I don't feel like it's that, it's not as dangerous as people. I think a lot of people who don't fight view it as like this crazy thing but it's really not as serious as i think people who don't do it uh well, i mean boxing you know they call boxing the sweet science right? yeah so there's there's obviously there's a certain amount of and they do get brain damage later in life yes it's true i don't think boxers i, I have I have a theory on why not i mean obviously they get brain damage can't punch in the head but i have a theory why it happens more so with boxers than let's say you know muay thai people or uh some other sports the martial arts. The martial arts. And it's because if I've seen them spar, and like I spar at a very half speed kind of thing, where like we spar like technique and this and that, whatever that. And you see boxing bar, they go full on 100%. So the thing is that everyone talks about like they have 40 fights or whatever it is. And of course, for 40 fights, well, it's not 40 fights. It's three months in between every fight of getting punched in the head. Right. And then going into a ring and getting punched in the head. At least with Muay Thai or whatever, we have however many fights. In between there, they don't really spar hard. You know what I mean? Especially like the, the, the ties that do it over there because they literally fight every couple of weeks because they need to eat. It's a, it's a lifestyle over there. Like they grow up since they're little kids. Like they, they start fighting professionally at 12, some ridiculous age. You know what I mean? So they literally don't spar hard just because, like, no, I actually have to fight next week and I have to not be injured. And because if not, I don't eat kind of thing. So, like, they're very specific. But I think that actually helps. The brain damage. I mean, like, granted, he's gonna have some brain damage anyway because he's still getting punched in the head. But I think the boxers specifically, like, they do it so much. I watch them like just attacking each other, like just in the gym, and I'm like, why are you? But now, is is Muay Thai similar to boxing, where you know boxers will watch film and watch technique and all? Is it the same, uh, or is it such? I mean, I feel like I've seen some of it where it's, yeah, it just no, looks definitely like chaos of just <laughs> feet and knees and elbows. No, it's and beautiful. It it no yeah definitely it, there's it's like just knees to the groin over and over and over again. <laughs> well, there's no groin shot. Okay. No, it's so it's so beautiful that it's uh, to watch. Like when you see somebody who really knows what they're doing and stuff like that. It's uh it's it's definitely just like boxing in that sense. Like it's it's the technique. Is there somebody who's the best? I mean, there's few people considered the best. My favorite fighter is a guy called Buakau. How do you spell that? B u b u a k a w. And I won't try to pronounce the last. That sounds like a comic book sound effect. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's what he says every time he punches you. Yeah, 
he's yeah he's amazing he's my favorite uh as far as like fighters are but i mean there's a few there's like chen chai yotun tai there's like they, they all have like crazy names they're all thai so, yeah you know and not only do they have crazy names but they have like that's their fighting name too like they have like their they use like their fighting name and then their last name is actually the gym so a lot of them have like poor promoter or whatever. you know like there's like a lot of them have like the same last name or other people think but it's really because that's the gym that's the gym they and then they have like a fighting name too so and they're all like crazy but yeah they're amazing and i mean i, I constantly watch that stuff videos of them like you know they're still fighting stuff too sometimes a new fight and then even fighting somebody i mean like i don't fight on a level like amateur level is hard to fight in video no one's really you know it's just amateur stuff that but like uh you know my coach or whatever for instance like when he fought professionally he'd watch video of like the other guys you know fighting and figure out whatever this and that like you know you got game plan it's it's all it's all, you know it's very cerebral yeah as much as as much boxing as much as uh boxing is and stuff so i mean that's that's the fun of it is there anybody in the world of comics that that couldn't take you out like you can take on anybody right i probably can no that would be an interesting panel that'd be fun take on paul as yeah right <laughs> i'd do it ring. too you think there's anybody out there that, that could take you in comic books yeah that's tough. I, I mean, I don't know who I've there's met. Some big, there's some big guys walking around. Yeah, but if they can't fight, it's it's a lot. It's technical. It's sure. not. It's not just about. I've seen a lot of big guys just get knocked out. I always, me and my best friends, are big for nothing. Like there's some guys that come in and look like a, a bodybuilder, look like a superhero, like you know, a bodybuilder. They just get knocked out in the first round because it's like that doesn't really help you. All those muscles, well, if you don't know what you're doing. I want to see this panel happen now. <laughs> doing an image expo or something. Yes. Coming up. Yeah. Paul takes on all comers. Yes, I I think I, I I'm I'm quite confident in the comic world. <laughs> I could take out quite a few people. All right, which is not nope. That is an official threat. <laughs> I want everybody can tweet not, at Paul. Not saying I'm amazing. It's a it, it, the the level. I want the this is an official challenge. Dan, Dan Penocean is a beast of a little man, but I think I can take. All right, there you go, folks. We're gonna do a so Dan. Maybe we'll do a special video episode. <laughs> Two of you guys. He's a little older too, so maybe I just kick him in the knee or something. Awesome, I love it. Thank you, Paul. No problem. You think we Thank covered you. everything? I I think so. Anything we missed? No. Great. From Cuban heritage to Carolina to future with uh, Outcast and Kirkman. I think we covered. I couldn't have encapsulated any better than myself. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. So I'm pretty sure at the end there I said I couldn't have encapsulated that better than myself, which is an idiotic thing to say. Clearly, I should have said I couldn't have encapsulated that better myself. But maybe you didn't even hear it, and I just called myself out for a flub that was irrelevant. But there you go. Paul has a set of uh, the third dangerous show in a row. How is that one dangerous? Or how over the past three shows? Well, first one was the Rex Lee show, which was dangerous because uh, you all could have attacked me. Second one, Chris Duffy. High Wire Act, intensity, according to some feedback I've gotten. Some people uh, were cringing listening to that one. And this one, this guy does Thai kickboxing. He could have destroyed me if I asked the wrong question, but he didn't. We got along. There were laughs. On to uh, the business at hand. 
The show has a website, stuffsaidshow.com. I say you go there and you look at the bonus content whenever you want. There's stuff for uh, all the episodes. There's also links to all kinds of things. You can comment on the show there. You can email me at uh, stuffsaid at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at stuffsaidshow. The show's on iTunes. Go on there, review it, give it five stars. For this episode, the comment, if you want to leave one, which I recommend, is I think I can take Paul as a setup. Or something to that effect. Because, again, he's taking all challengers. So be a challenger. Who cares if he, you know, elbows you in the face and causes a gushing blood uh, let? I think that's, yeah, blood lit. So that's that. The show is also on the Acme Wave Projector Network at acmewaveprojector.com. And now I want to talk about this Harvey Award thing again. I want to cover this material because I want to win an award. I'm, I'll be shameless about it. I don't care. Who's going to stop me? So I'm putting up a link. Again, it'll be at stuffsetshow.com. Scroll down to the bottom. It'll be a link to the Harvey Award nomination page. Nominate Stuff Said in the best historical, biographical, or journalistic uh, work thing. And while you're there, how about nominate a past Stuff Said guests for things they've done? So looking back, Chris Duffy, nominate SpongeBob Comics for an award. Uh, Rex Lee, all right, maybe don't nominate him for anything. Joe Caramagna, he letters all kinds of comics. He writes uh, the, the Marvel Adventures stuff. No, it's not even called that anymore, but you know what I mean. Heidi McDonald, uh, nominate the beat, although that would probably be going up against me. So... Ooh, that's a tricky spot. Scotty Young, covers of, of every comic in the world. Mark Wade, well, he's going to win for... I mean, Daredevil is going to win all kinds of awards anyway. Art Balthazar will win all kinds of awards for, for you know, uh, Lil Hellboy. Or All Yeah Comics. Actually, nominate him for All Yeah Comics. Let's do that. Uh, Eric Stevenson, Nowhere Men. You know, Walden Wong, he inks a ton of stuff. Eric Larson, Savage Dragon. Back, going back, back, back. You know, uh, it, you can nominate Jersey Joe's for his podcast in the same category, and he and I will uh, will we'll go at it. Brad Geiger for his web comics, Dan Slott for Spider-Man stuff, Dave Roman for Astronaut Academy reentry. I'm really going down the list. This is hilarious. Uh, you guys maybe already shut this off. I don't know. Jay Ferber does a web uh, a digital first comic called Antihero. Nominate that for something. What else can I say? Jim Demacos of the Emerald City Comic Con has web comics on his on the website for Emerald City Comic Con. So nominate those web comics. I wrote one of them. Brian Smith uh, does stuff of legend. He he wrote these Voltron comics. Scott Colbus drawing Deadpool issues. Nominate him. Uh, uh, who else have we got? Chris Giruso, G-Man. You got to nominate G-Man for stuff. You know, Jacob Shabbat, nominate SpongeBob Comics again because he works on that as well. So there, there you go. That's a list of people to nominate in case you don't know who to nominate. And if all those people get nominated and, you know, the connection is made that they've all been on this show, that means that this show becomes a force, like a real force for good, question mark. I don't know if awards are good. I just kind of want one. And it'll give me an excuse to go to Baltimore for that show. Thank you if you take the time to do the nominations. I appreciate it. The guests who you nominate appreciate it. I appreciate it on their behalf. The theme song for Stuff Said is provided by Craig Chin. You can find him at rudeanagrams.com. 
And for more about me, go to HatterEntertainment.com. H-A-T-T-E-R, entertainment, all one long word, dot com. Thank you. That's about all the stuff I have left to say. I'll see you next time.